The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of this station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood. Answers Live is an interactive talk show, and we're asking you to call in to speak to our special guest today. Our call-in number is 973-267-9687. Again, that's 973-267-WMTR. Answers Live is brought to you every Sunday at 930 by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists the largest specialized neurosurgical private practice in uh, New Jersey. Our main office is located at 310 Madison Avenue, Morristown, New Jersey, and can be reached at 973-285-7800. We also have seven other offices throughout New Jersey, our newest one in Somerset County in Bedminster. You can reach us online at www.ansdocs.com. That's www.ansdocs.com. Dot com. Today, I'm very excited. We have our very own Dr. Joseph Remsen from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist, and he will be discussing concussion. Good morning, Dr. Remsen. Hey, good morning, Tom. Before we start, just give uh, the listeners a little bit of background on you educationally and um, uh, what you do at Atlantic. Yes, I graduated uh, from Downstate Medical Center in Brooklyn many years ago and uh, did my residency at uh, Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City, and I've been at in the Morristown area, practicing medicine a little over a decade. I can't remember the exact time. It's been a while. And I've had the pleasure of being an Atlantic neurosurgical uh, uh, practitioner now for approximately two years. Right. I'm working out at uh, Overlook Hospital now, and along with Jack Knightley from Atlantic Neurosurgical, we're co-medical directors of the, you know, one of the largest concussion centers in the the country. I mean, we have the unfortunate pleasure of seeing uh, well over a thousand uh, youngsters a year, and those numbers have continued to grow over the last several years. The center has been open for approximately five years now. Right. Well, I want to thank you personally for all the work you're doing with that concussion center. Uh, having a young son myself, we've utilized a lot of the services there. So well, let's get started because there's so many questions people have about concussion. It's very confusing, especially as parents. Um, of course, adults get concussions, but most of the people would be interested in hearing about the younger concussion. So what is a concussion exactly? Can you explain that? Yeah, a concussion is an injury to the brain. Uh, no different than a stroke is an injury to the brain um, itself. And basically what what happens is if you think of a, a yolk in an eggshell, if you shake around an egg, you think of the yolk as the brain, you think of the shell as a skull, you can actually feel the yolk move. Uh, when youngsters, if their heads hit the ground, whether it be playing sports or tripping on ice, um, whether it be an elbow or knee to the head, what's going to rattle and move? It's the brain. And it's the shaking of the brain uh, that causes injury to the brain, leading to concussive type of symptoms. We actually think it's a shearing or stretching type force, which is analogous to grabbing the, the two ends of cooked spaghetti and pulling. If you grab the two ends of cooked spaghetti and pull, that spaghetti is going to stretch. Right. If you stretch the nerve, it doesn't work the same way. And we believe that's what leads to concussive type symptoms. Okay. So when the brain is rattled, it actually hits against the skull itself. Is that what causes is this injury itself so much? Actually, it's interesting, and, and, and that's a matter of debate. Uh, from doing this for years, what we actually find is the the actual brain itself, uh, the, the big 
uh, scramble egg type thing at the top that people right. call the cortex actually has no pain fibers in and of itself. And so actually I think it's actually the stretching of probably the structures in the middle of the brain okay. that lead us, not the actual hitting of the head brain against the skull. Not that that can't cause injury. I don't want to get uh, too technical, but we actually think that some of that stretching in the middle line structures causes uh, the more common symptoms of headaches, okay. difficulty with light, noise, so on and so forth. Now, does a swelling occur also? Is is that something is stretched, it's injured, I would assume? Yeah, is there swelling that occurs also? Yeah, there's no evidence of swelling. For example, when one gets an MRI or a CAT scan, um, initially to take a look, in concussions, they're normal. CAT scans and MRIs aren't used to diagnose concussions. If you go to the ER and get a CAT scan, they look for skull fracture and bleed. But on the CAT scan, what you will see is no evidence of swelling whatsoever, you know, on a gross level. So there's, you know, we can't, uh, we can't document any evidence of swelling. Okay. So, um, you know, we're on the field. We're watching our kids play. We witness a hit, so to speak. Um, what, what are the symptoms that we would look for in um, a child? after having a hit because well, it's very confusing. It is very confusing and, and whether you're a trained healthcare professional, athletic trainer, whether you're a parent, one of the hardest things to do is actually to diagnose a concussion. One of the misnomers that you often hear is that uh, people have to lose consciousness. Actually, greater than 90% of the people never lose consciousness. And actually, and I think of over a thousand cases in the last year, maybe 10 to 15 lost consciousness. So it's, it's not common. The second misnomer is that um, all symptoms come up right away. That's not true either. A uh, youngster can have a hit, um, not feel so good for the first few minutes, feel great after a few minutes, but then not exhibit symptoms for two to three days. So it can really take up to 72 hours to diagnose. But what you look for in the field, a disoriented child, youngster who's getting up, seems unbalanced in their feet, uh, the look in the eye. Uh, many of them have that glassy-eyed, yeah, watery type of look, not knowing where they are, you know, at that present moment in time. Those nausea, you know, when it occurs, vomiting, obviously when it occurs, loss of conscience, if, even though we said not common, um, obviously does occur. Uh, but when your child starts complaining of headache as well, those are the type of things that we look for. But the most common thing is, is your coach is knowing your athlete. When you see that athlete and you look in their eyes, they have that glassy type of look. That gives you a pretty good idea. There are multiple uh, sideline assessment tools yeah, uh, that can be used. Uh, be honest with you, they get a little confusing, especially for the parent coach or the parent in the sidelines. One called the SCAT or SCAT-2, mm -hmm. um, for example. And there's no scientific evidence validating it, but it's a very long laundry list of things that are complicated for parents. I would say of the scales, there's one called the Maddox. I think it's M-A-D-D-O-C-K apostrophe S. Uh, scale, which is sort of neat. You know, who are we playing today? What score is it? What half is it? Where are we? Did you score recently? Ask some basic questions that focus specifically on that event. Those are terrific for parents. What has to be kept in mind is, you know, you can answer all these questions properly and still have a concussion. Okay. Um, you'll hear about the normal neurologic exam, looking at the pupils, doing reflexes, all those other things. Those exams are traditionally normal. And so at the end of the day, you're looking for, after the hit the child is, is taken, 
a sense that they are not themselves. And as I said, the sense of disorientation, the sense of lack of balance, that look in the eye that they're just not there, that glassy, haze stare, you know, those are some of the indicators that a youngster is, is having a problem. But it is the most difficult thing to diagnose. Okay. I definitely want to go back to that, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more. But um, does age play a role in concussion and management? So if you have a younger kid or opposed to an older high schooler kid, as you age and the brain grows, is, does it play a role when you, when you see a child? It does. What we, uh, you know, up until about the age of 19, uh, 21, uh, recovery traditionally takes a little bit longer. Um, brain fully develops by the age of 19 to 21 years of age. We find in the college years, once kids get to junior, senior year, their tendency is to recover a bit faster. And so what we find is in the older population, 19 and above, somewhere in that range, kids have a tendency to recover a little bit faster. Um, what used to be different, which has changed, is, you know, when a youngster had an Af a concussion, there was no doubt, or suspected concussion, there was no doubt that you take them out and evaluate them over the course of a few days. When in doubt, kids are done, and you evaluate them accordingly to see if they had one. With the professional athletes, um, it used to be such that if they resolved within a period of time, 10, 15 minutes, you might put them back to play. But within the last year, that has changed. Wow. And based on the last international guidelines that have come out, professional athletes are being taken out as well. So the management in some ways is, is come together in terms of how the two are approached, but older people have a tendency to uh, get around a nine, 19 to 21 recover in a shorter time frame. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to that question about the professional athletes because we hear on the news now um, a lot of them are actually um, committing suicide. They have depression. Um, actually, let's discuss it now. Um, uh, where they're so depressed as adults and they're linking this back to multiple concussions and brain injuries as, as young as when they were in high school, is there a cumulative effect with concussions? Can having these multiple concussions do damage as a, as a parent, and my wife Melanie's with me in the uh, studio today, um, so you can jump in at any time. Um, but we are concerned over these multiple concussions that we see on the field with a lot of the, the neighborhood kids and also um, in the office when we hear people coming in. Is that a concern of parents when these multiple con concussions happen? Yeah, I think one thing we have to remember, we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, we have to be careful about scaring parents into not letting their kids participate in activities. I mean, in the day of uh, computers and video games, all we do is encourage kids sitting more. And with childhood obesity being a problem, I don't think that's a very good idea. But, but comparing the professional athlete to the youth athlete in many ways is uh, comparing apples and oranges. Not that they're not real issues in kids, I'll discuss that in a second, but when you look at the Muhammad Ali's of the world, when you, from, you know, drunk punch syndrome, uh, when you look at a lot of these professional athletes who have had depression or committed suicide with potential relations back to concussion. Is it possible that there's a relationship? Absolutely. However, trying to project what's going to happen from the age of 20 to 50, 60, 70 is a very difficult thing to do. But the other thing about the professional athlete is these athletes have been hit year after year after year at very high magnitude of force. You know, youngsters, high school, college, professional league. Most of the youngsters we talk about and we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis stop sports by the age of 12. Are they done by the age of high school? Not because of concussion, right. but because they go <clears throat> on and do other things. So trying to compare professional athletes who had repetitive hits with repetitive shaking of the brain is a very difficult comparison uh, to make. Are there long-term real issues like, believe, like Parkinson's, dementia, 
Alzheimer's, depression, potentially suicide committed because of these repetitive hits and trauma to the brain? The answer is probably yes, but that has yet to be determined uh, over the course of time. But all evidence indicates yes. But comparing that athlete to the younger one is not a fair comparison. Having said that, what you see most commonly um, in the youngsters is just time missed from being a child. If you have a headache, if you feel dizzy, trouble with light and noise, you can't sit in the classroom, you can't hang out with your friends, you can't play with your sports, that's time missed from being a youngster, whether it be a week, a month, six months. Time that you can't get back and doing the things you enjoy. But there is a subset of kids that do have persistent memory issues. Not a large, a tiny subset of youngsters that have permanent memory issues. They have persistent headaches and dizziness. So their IQ points go down, their grade point averages go down, they have difficulty getting into a college, they have difficulty having a vocation. So we look at the long-term things, but the reality is in the short-term, kids aren't managed uh, properly. Whether they have Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, doesn't mean their life can't be affected for the long-term. Tiny percent <clears throat> in and of itself, um, but still not an insignificant percent. Okay. Um, I definitely want to touch back on that. We do have a call. Um, we have Jeff from Bridgewater. Uh, good morning, Jeff. You're on Answers Live with Dr. Remsen. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Tom, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. What's your question for Dr. Remsen today? Um, I have uh, two boys that play football, and I also uh, coach a youth football team. And sometimes it's very obvious when a child gets a concussion on the field, but sometimes... You know, you don't always see the head. It's not a very obvious situation. And I'd like to know, uh, first, what do you look for? And then how do you know it's time, if the kid did have a concussion, to that they can start playing again? So it's really a two-part question. Sure. And as I said, one of the hardest things is when you're a coach on the sideline trying to figure it out. A couple of things uh, to keep in mind is one is knowing your athletes, which many coaches do very well. Uh, when you have that, that athlete that never complains and they'll run around basically with a broken ankle and not complain, if all of a sudden that youngster hits the ground and they look disoriented, they start complaining of headache, and that youngster is not a complainer, that gives you a pretty good sign. Um, that youngster may be having a little bit of a problem. Sometimes what's a little bit of a challenge is that youngster who uh, complains just about every injury in the world. Um, that gets a little tricky. But as a coach, what you're specifically looking for, again, youngster being uh, disoriented. They get up, they start walking the wrong way in the field. And uh, all of a sudden, they don't necessarily know their plays or they're going in the wrong direction. Uh, you take a look at them and their eyes look glassy. I mean, I'm sure as a coach you've had times where you've had that kid take that hit you've looked into their eyes and they just have that distant look um, right. yeah those are the times you have to to really uh, think about taking that youngster out because what happens is, is this as I said they may be fine in five minutes but here's the problem they may look fine but those symptoms may not pop up for a couple days now let's assume they go out let's assume they don't even have another hit the rest of the game just the jumping, spinning, and turning at that time without getting hit will shake the brain. And shaking the brain can aggravate that area that was already injured. So you may look and say, hey, the youngster looks fine. They've gone out. They're running. They never got hit. But if they have a concussion or they've had that stretch injury to the nerve earlier, by running, jumping, and spinning can aggravate that injury even further and miss more time. 
And so what we say is, when in doubt, get the youngster out if they've looked different. If they've recovered in five minutes, three minutes, doesn't matter. And then evaluate them over the course of the next few days with your healthcare professionals to determine if they've had one or not. What you're never going to be able to do as a coach is say definitively on the sideline, I think they've had or I think they haven't. You can't because we can't. It's impossible. Even someone who's trained can. It's an evaluation over the course of several days. Problem is, if you don't take that child out, you can turn a a two-week recovery into a four-week recovery or an eight-week recovery or 10-week recovery. In terms of timing of going back, no youngster can go back to uh, any contact sport until one. All symptoms completely go away. And the symptoms we're usually talking about with the kids are headaches aggravated by light, noise, reading, texting, television, schoolwork, those things, along with issues with concentration and memory. Once all the symptoms that one can have of concussion go away completely, meaning kids back in school or hanging out with their friends or going to movies full sensory load with absolutely no symptoms, then that tells us that nerve that was stretched can handle the information well. Once the kids can do that, then what we'll do is we put them through physical activity or exertion. We start with things that don't shake the head. For example, ride on an exercise bike one day, next day jogging. Next day, plyometrics, jumping, spinning, turning, twisting. Next day, full lifting routine or push-up sit-ups. Because now we need to shake the brain to make sure that area that was stretched can handle it and the symptoms don't come back. But once they can handle a full mental load, once they can have a f- handle a full physical load with the shaking of the brain, without the symptoms coming back, you know, at the minimum that tells us they're ready to go back to full non-contact activities. The determination of whether they go back to contact depends on their, their, their past history, how long it took to recover from the concussion, how many concussions they've had in the past, when was their last concussion relative to this one. And so we have to look at their past history to make that final determination of when they're cleared for contact. Okay, well, no, that's uh, very helpful, especially the progression. I really appreciate that. No so problem. The progression um, to get them back, right, you know, that type of sequence, I was not that aware of, right? You know, typically you try to, the kid comes back, he runs around, he tells you he has, still has a headache, you say, well, you know, hopefully he's been seeing the doctor and you make sure he's seen the doctor, but it's it's good to know that there's actually a progression in days of how you should uh, test the child out. That was really helpful. Yeah, and one thing for you as a coach, and I tell all coaches on the sideline, one thing about the concussion headache is it doesn't change spots. It can be different from concussion to concussion. doesn't have to be where you're hit. So if a youngster, for example, has a headache in front of the head from their concussion, it's going to stay there until it goes away. Sometimes parents aren't the best at taking their kids in to get them checked. You know, as you know, a coach, every game is the big game. You know, we don't want our kid to miss this game. It's going to be their career. And so what happens at the end of the day, if you have questions about what happened the week before, you go up to that youngster and you can say, hey, how you doing? Kid will say, oh, you know, I'm doing okay. How many headaches do you have? How did you do during the week? Oh, my head hurt in the front all week. Same spot all week? Yeah. That time you want to go talk to the parents and right. just let them know, well, hey. That's, that's hey. very helpful. Thanks a lot. And uh, Tom, great show. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. Okay, all we're right. going to take, take a... We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. 
Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We've truly got your back. Hey, welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood. Today we're talking to Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist's very own Joseph Remsen, who's discussing concussion. Um, we've gotten so much amazing information on this um, uh, topic. Um, as a parent, it's, it's really helped me a lot. Um, we uh, are going to touch base on a few more things that we've been discussing uh, today. But uh, what I want to touch with is we, we got back to the uh, concussion, uh, what actually happens during concussion. So now... We, we heard all this. Is there a testing that we can do? We hear a lot about this impact testing. Um, what is that? And should we have our, our children tested? Yeah, impact testing, it's a, in their variety of tests, there's impact, there's cog sport, there's head minor, there are a few computerized based tests out there. They all take about 20 minutes. And, and what the tests do is they look at areas of memory. You know, verbal memory, which is memory of words, visual memory, memory of shape type things, uh, processing speed, how quickly you think, reaction time, uh, which is pure physical game like, you know, it's pure physical speed like video game speed. And what's supposed to happen is you take the test uh, before the season. It takes about 20 minutes. And then subsequently, if you have a concussion, you repeat the test itself to see if there are changes in the scores itself. And that's the purpose of the testing. Um, and it's based off of, uh, by history, formal neuropsychological testing that's used, pencil and paper testing. Right. Then one looks for, you know, help diagnose ADD, looks for formal memory problems in kids who have a variety of different things. So the computerized testing is taken from that battery of testing. One thing that computerized tests can do that the written pencil and paper tests cannot do is check speed or reaction time. But what happens is, once you have your concussion, you retake the test to see if the scores have changed. And it gives you some indication of how the brain is functioning. Um, one of the misnomers about the computerized testing is, is that in and of itself, it diagnoses concussion. It okay. does not. Right. It doesn't tell you if you've had one. It doesn't tell you when you're ready to go back. We've had youngsters that score in the 90-plus percentile in every area of the test when they're status post-concussion and still have symptoms. At the end of the day, they're complaining of headache. They're complaining of dizziness. They're complaining of decreased balance and trouble with light and noise. Irrespective of the formal test scores, when that child has symptoms, it tells us the youngster's brain is still injured. Um, the other misnomer is that once one takes the baseline, if the post-test is the same or higher as well, that that's often positive sign. Well, what happens is youngsters taking the baseline test aren't always as focused as diligent right. as they are when taking the post-concussion test. They have more on the line. So it's not uncommon to see that test be higher post-concussion. Another thing, for example, we talked about youngsters with ADD or learning disabilities themselves in any, any way, shape, or form. 
they can test differently from test to test, having nothing to do with concussion in and of itself. So the accuracy is a question. Or say I have a youngster who guessed in one or two areas in the baseline better than they're going to ever guess in their entire life. <sighs> then them getting back right, to right, that right. level is impossible. And then, you know, sometimes areas of the brain that are injured don't affect memory type of issues. So the test is, is, can be helpful. It's instructive. The, one of the best parts of the test is when a youngster takes it, they learn about concussion. When the parents take it, they learn about concussion because their youngsters are taking it. And used properly, it can add as a tool. But the most important things is always the symptoms of the child and how they report them. If you don't get a youngster that reports accurately their symptoms, you cannot manage the youngster properly. So the most important thing is the child reporting properly their symptoms. So I guess for what I'm understanding, it's probably best to educate coaches and educate the parents to see those signs like you were speaking to Jeff from Bridgewater um, on that. The concussion testing is just another tool. Should we, though, would you recommend um, uh, parents having their kids tested? I know you do uh, over 6,000 kids sometimes. How many do you in New Jersey? Oh, we see over 1,000 kids a, a year. 1,000 kids a year. Over 1,000 okay. kids a year. You're one of the bigger concussion centers in the state. In the country. In the country. Oh, kudos to us. Huh? <laughs> um, that's wonderful. But would you recommend that? Would you recommend? Yes, I do. I do recommend that, that with all its pitfalls, I do recommend it being, because there's no perfect test. The MRI, obviously... CAT scan, not perfect. Uh, computerized testing, not perfect. Taking the patient from the history, history from a youngster, not perfect. And so what we have to do is use the tools when appropriate to paint the appropriate picture of the individual themselves. So when you ask me, is it a valuable tool? Absolutely. Okay. Should be done. <clears throat> Should be Okay, so parents, we should definitely uh, get our kids tested. Uh, you did you did mention something that I want to ask you about was which imaging. Um, I know personally some of uh, our, our friends' uh, children had uh, so-called concussions, and they took them to the hospital, and they had CAT scans. Mm -hmm. um, being in this field also, a CAT scan really wouldn't show anything unless it was a bleed, but is that what they're looking for when they do imaging on someone for a concussion, just to see if it's not something more serious? Well, ERs have gotten better. Um, there was a lack of understanding for years past, and every kid with a concussion would get a CAT scan, a majority would get CAT scans to look for concussions. And what literature has shown us and we figured out was it, it doesn't show anything. And between that and the radiation, not appropriate to do. So now most ERs are doing it now to look for bleeds or skull fractures. And the time they will do it in the suspecting, if there's prolonged loss of consciousness, if a youngster is disoriented or confused and it, it seems to be getting worse. But again, they're looking for a bleed in that instance. Okay, great. Um, we're actually coming to close to the end of the show, but I want to get one more question in. Uh, helmets, mm -hmm. um, concussion helmets, Are they? do they do what they say they do? They don't help concussion uh, from what I'm understanding? Yeah, well, this is what it, helmets are not tested to prevent concussion, whether it be hockey, whether they be football, uh, whether it be skiing. They're testing the drop test to prevent skull fractures and intracranial bleeds. Okay. It's not that they don't play a role on some level, but there's no scientific evidence suggesting. The only helmet is the Rydell Revolution, okay. which may be a small reduction, uh, but that's it. And that goes with mouth guards as well. Okay. And to have parents fully understand, if, in helmets, they, they need to fit properly. But you have your helmet that's fitting properly. If your head hits the ground, that will not stop the brain from shaking. Right. Head will stop suddenly, brain will still shake. You take an elbow to the head, 
that's not going to stop the brain from shaking. Okay. So when you think about it, just mechanically, it doesn't stop the head from moving. But should be worn, helmets should be Absolutely. fitted properly. Right, right, right. And it's not that they don't play a role, but it's not as, as great as we think. And think of the number of concussions in the NFL right. and through football that report. If helmets were the end-all, be-all, we wouldn't have this, Problem. be having this big discussion. Absolutely. Well, I definitely want to thank you for coming. I definitely want to bring you back uh, for more discussion on this topic as well as a lot of uh, other topics. I know you specialize in a few different areas that I would love to discuss with you in future shows. Again, that was Dr. Joseph Remschen from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I will be speaking with you again next Sunday, 930 on WMTR Answers Live. I'm Tom Wood. Have a great weekend. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program.